What is shaking, everybody? This episode of the Golf Guide podcast is brought to you by GolfGuide.net and Golf Guide magazine. Visit GolfGuide.net to find one of the interweb's best golf course directories serving the West Coast. You can search for golf courses based on the type of grass they're going on the greens, the difficulty, the yardage, uh, whatever you can think of. Visit GolfGuide.net to help you find the golf that you need. Also on GolfGuide.net, we've got discounted rounds of golf uh, where you can save up to 70% on greens fees to golf courses all over Northern California with a few peppered in Southern California, uh, Nevada, and Oregon as well. And then also, as we said last week, be on the lookout for the newest issue of Golf Guide Magazine, completely complimentary, no cost to you, a great little resource that gives you information on every golf course in California, Nevada, and Oregon with a couple of cool little editorials so you can learn yourself up on some stuff going on in the world of West Coast golf. So one more time, that's golfguide.net and Golf Guide Magazine. That's it with the ads. Let's go, folks. All right. Yes. Uh, welcome back once again, everybody, to another delightful and might, might I say savory episode of the uh, the Golf Guide podcast. Very happy to have you back with us once again. And, uh, you know, it, it seems to be a trend going on lately. Got another interesting episode for you. Where I'm going to be riding solo. Um, you know, it's just it's crazy, man. Not to, not to go too far off topic, uh, but it's just Golf has been challenging for me lately. Aside from my really wonderful round of golf that I got to play at the Meadow Club last week, I have not been back out on the golf course since. Um, it's it's kind of wild. I am uh, I, I am getting married a, a week from Saturday, and uh, for any of you that have not gone through this process before, it it is really commanding a lot of my time, and it it has really hurt not only my golf game but also my golf viewership. You know, I, I did not watch a lot of the tournament last weekend where Justin Rose won down at Colonial. Um, you know, this weekend we have Jack's tournament, the Memorial, uh, up in Ohio, which is always one of the, uh, you know, the better regular uh, PGA Tour events. You know, of the non-majors, it always has an exceptionally strong field. Uh, this year is going to be no different. You got guys like Tiger Woods, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, um, headlining, uh, you know, a, a a star-studded group uh, that are going to be really taking on Jack's architectural know-how. Had, uh, the course designed by Jack Nicholas back in the 70s. Uh, you know, most people, the consensus is that it's a pretty pretty great track. Um, with the limited experience that I have myself on Jack Nicholas courses, I found them to be very fun. Uh, you know, of all the big-name guys, I think he's certainly one of the better ones out there. I'd, I'd rather play a, a Jack Nicholas golf course over a, a Robert Trent Jones or a Reese Jones or anything like that any day of the week. You know, Jack's courses, while they certainly, you know, aren't as uh, pleasing from an aesthetic standpoint, you know, when you compare it to some of the other minimalism guys like the Dokes and the Hanses and everything like that, um, you know, Jack Nicholas still does a pretty, a pretty darn good job. So it should be a fun tournament to watch this weekend. But, you know, given the fact of how little golf I watched last weekend and I'm just going to be perfectly honest with you given how little golf i expect to be watching this weekend i thought it'd be somewhat inappropriate for me to be commenting on a lot of golf that i'm not actually personally watching so i figured the best thing to do is i was you know i was looking for some inspiration what i wanted to do the podcast on this week and you know i stumbled across an article on uh, on golf digest 
uh, titled 10 Things Wrong With Your Golf Bag by E. Michael Johnson. Now, you know, I don't know E personally. I, I don't even know what the E stands for. That that may just prove how unfamiliar I am with this guy. But, I mean, first of all, for this SOB to just assume that there is shit wrong with my golf bag before I even get into the article, I, I got to tell you, I, we really started off on the wrong foot. So for today's podcast, what I figured I'd do is I'd go through uh, E's list that he went, you know, of the 10 things that he believes are wrong with your golf bag. And again, I, I don't think this guy meant to, you know, meant to take for you to take it personally, even though he really he got into our face. And the, the level of disrespect that I feel coming from GolfDigest.com with the way they've titled this article is really troubling. You know, and, and I just, you know, I, I want to put them I, I want to put this on the radar that, you know, most of us aren't complete idiots when it comes to our golf bags. And just to assume that we're out there like a bunch of schleps, you know, looking like a bunch of idiots and Daryls walking around the golf course is really Again, the, the level of disrespect is, is, is just insurmountable. So I wanted to go through E's list of the 10 things he thinks are wrong with your golf bag. Um, you know, some of the items I actually completely agree with, uh, although it should be things that you should have in your golf bag, not just things that are wrong with your golf bag. Again, I, I don't know why. I, I clicked on it, so I mean, maybe, maybe it works, but this son of a bitch. I mean, anyway. So we're going to go through some of the items that Golf Digest thinks could be improved with your golf bag, and then I'm going to add a little bit of you know a few items on the end of it uh, of items that I'm always sure to be carrying in my golf bag. Where you know the goal of this whole thing is to make sure that you are prepared and you've got your golf bag stocked and ready to go with all the different items that you are going to need uh, as we kind of hit you know the golf season is now in full swing, everybody. I mean, at least up in the North Central Valley where I'm at, uh, north of Sacramento. We're starting to touch triple digits every day out on the coast. It is the weather is absolutely exceptional, um, and so I want to make sure with golf season in full swing that you've got your bag stocked with all the little goodies that you need to make sure this golf season is your best one yet. So with all that being said, let's uh, let's dive into to E's article here. So once again, I, the the article that I'm referring to is on GolfDigest.com. It was published on May the 29th. Uh, that would have been a Tuesday, the day before the day we are currently recording, by a Mr. E. Michael Johnson. So let's go through here real quick. And just as a little prelude, uh, E. is telling us there's there, there's a reason that we're all called amateur, and that extends beyond uh, the mere playing ability of us and that we often make mistakes regarding the things we have or don't have in our golf bag, yada, yada, yada. Okay, the first thing he's saying that everybody should always have is a Sharpie to mark your ball. I cannot disagree with this at all. I, I think having a Sharpie in your bag is absolutely essential. I mean, like he says, if you get to the first tee, you let everybody know what you're playing, and it seems like a guy in your group is playing a ball that's either you know exactly the same or very similar, man, it sure is handy to have a, a Sharpie or a marker. I mean, you don't necessarily have to stick with the Sharpie brand, uh, but you know they, they make a good product. So I'm going to go ahead and fully endorse them here on the, uh, on the podcast. No cost. No cost, Sharpie. The, 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 you, guys, you guys are it. Of, of all the permanent markers out there, you are my number one choice. So, you know, whatever, a lot of people have their own unique marking. You know, whatever it is, just make sure you have those Sharpies in your bag at the ready so you can uh, do whatever you need to. And also, I mean, this is something I'm going to touch on a little bit later with my own list. I actually don't mind using the Sharpie for my actual scorecard. I, I think it's a little easier. Sometimes the pencils that they give you at golf courses are a little tough uh, to, to see. Sometimes they don't mark stuff down on the scorecard all that well. So it's, it's a handy little tool just in case you want to keep score. Uh, with it as well. All right, so the second item on E's list is 
set a set makeup doesn't match your shots on your course. I don't know what the hell that even means. And his little write-up for that little part is you can't just go with a typical set makeup and think you're good to go. You get 14 clubs, and you should figure out the course you play most often and if every single one of those clubs serves a purpose. So what this what this Daryl is saying is that based on whatever golf course you play most, that you should tailor your clubs to fit that golf course, I call bullshit, all right? Whatever the clubs are that you feel most comfortable with and are designed for you to maximize your ability to thrive on any golf course is right there where you should do. This is this is this is written like a guy who doesn't leave his private club very often. So, you know what? I mean, just again, uh, it is a little reminder though. If you uh, you know if you haven't had your clubs uh, fitted, or if you're using you know any clubs in your bag, or, or I should say, if there's clubs in your bag that you almost never hit. Quit lugging them around and don't even bother. I I literally took my lob wedge out of my golf bag because I just was using it once every five rounds. So now I'm actually carrying around 12 golf clubs. I thought it was a savage before when I was only carrying 13. I'm down to 12, and I'm playing pretty damn good golf. I have not seen it affect my scores at all. Um, with that being said, I, I think uh, I've always carried a gap wedge of 56 and a 60. Uh, now the 60 is gone, but I think I'm hopefully going to be upgrading and uh, switch into a 54 and a 58 here pretty soon. And so that'll get me back up to 13 clubs. But with all that being said, let's get to the next item on E's list. And that's a bag that's too heavy if you walk. Um, personally, I mean, I, I, I couldn't think of a more self-explanatory item. I mean, if you if you walk a lot when you play golf and you have a super heavy golf bag, either you're an idiot or you're lazy. Um, Rob Rhodes, I love you. Uh, you're, you're just lazy. You're not an idiot. You just have a super heavy golf bag and, you know, but l luckily you're a large human. So, uh, sorry if, if you don't know who Rob is, it's a, one of my best buddies from college who just for some reason carries around this old OGO, you know, bag that weighs like 14 pounds. And I gave him one of my Jones, uh, extra Jones bags. And because he is such a large human, it doesn't really look all that correct on him, but I'm, I'm going off, uh, on another tangent here, but basically is, you know, if you like to carry or use a push cart, just don't have an obscenely large bag with a ton with a ton of unnecessary shit in it. All right, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, not a whole lot more to go with that. Uh, and now E is saying you need if you have a bag with your name on it, stop. Just just stop. He says the rule on this, unless you have a reserve parking spot on the next PGA or LPGA tour event, or you're the head professional at a golf facility, this is absolutely forbidden. You don't look cool. You look like an idiot. Well, you know what, Daryl, you know. Granted, when I had my name stitched into my golf bag when I was 12 years old, I thought it was pretty damn cool. And you know what? This also, this just this a lot of shade being thrown at the guys on the senior tour, all right? So this guy, you know, he left off the champions tour, so you're telling me, you know, that Bernard Longer isn't allowed to have his name on his bag? Well, you know what, Daryl? F you, bro. You know what? I would not print my name on my golf bag for personal preference, but if that's something that you're into and it helps you feel good and confident and who knows, maybe it avoids, you know, helps you avoid putting a heavy bag tag on there to identify your sticks. Whatever, man. You know, here at the Golf Guide Podcast, we're, we're very much not in the business of telling you what not to do. Go out and live your life, you know. Do, do your thing. If you, if you want your name stitched on your golf bag, live it up, man. Just live it the fuck up. Go do your thing. And don't let E tell you what you can and cannot do. Now, his next item is excessive bag tags. As much as I've really started to build up quite a quite a resentment and a beef with my boy E here, uh, I do have to kind of agree with him on this one. You know, more than one or two bag tags just kind of, you know, it looks a little bit tacky. 
I'm never going to tell you to take them off, but just know that secretly, deep down, I, I, I am being a little bit judgmental. Although I'm going to do it quietly, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to say it to your face. But just know that if you have, if you're that guy with nine or ten bag tags, you're basically like that same girl in middle school that has like 14 different, you know, little pieces of flair on her keychain where it's like really, really tough to actually like find the keys that you need. That's basically like the golf bag equivalent of having uh, too many bag tags. So just, you know, keep it to one or two. If you got uh, a golf course that you've played that you're pretty proud of that, you know, you don't mind letting people know that you've been around the track, you know, you, you can keep that one on the bag. And uh, yeah, then that, that's about it. One or one or two seems good. I always keep my, uh, my bag tag that I had made for all of my buddies on our band and dunes trip last year. It just has my name on it as a little, uh, a little identification mark of sorts, and so, and that's about it for me. So, excessive bag tags, yeah. Let's let's just keep it to one or two. That 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 would be my suggestion for all of you out there. Now, this next one is another one that I've got a huge issue with, and that is clubs that are more than five years old. And he he does say putters accepted, but I call BS, man. There are so many good golf clubs that have were made five plus years ago, and. Granted, you know, this guy is writing for Golf Digest, and Golf Digest is is very much in the business of encouraging golfers to buy new equipment as often as possible. We at Golf Guide, we we are currently not tied down to any marketing obligations to ensure that you're buying new equipment, all right? We're, we're out here for the betterment of the golfer, okay? Uh, there, there's plenty of clubs that are over five years old that are well worth keeping in your golf bag. In fact, um, you know, I've been playing with the Rogue Driver for the past couple months. You heard me a couple episodes ago uh, kind of reviewing my experience with it. It is a great driver. However, it is a driver that was not custom fit for me. All right, It is a stock Callaway Rogue Driver, 9 degrees, and I took it out of the bag because the shaft isn't quite right. So I put my TaylorMade R9 back in my bag that I've had in there for the last couple of years. Dude, that club is so fucking awesome. It, it is so good. I... I honestly enjoy it just as much as my new Rogue. Um, and really, the Rogue, when I stripe it right, it definitely goes a little farther, and I do like the ball flight on it a little bit more. But here's the big thing. My R9, I can hit it off the deck like a Savant, all right? I, I can hit driver off the deck with a TaylorMade R9 like it's going out of style. And the, the Rogue, I had a little bit of trouble with that. And you know what? That club's 10 years old, my R9 is. And I, I love having it in my bag. I, I just got it regripped. It feels great. My, I have Feel Wedges, which is like a was a boutique uh, wedge manufacturer, much in the same way like 14 Golf is now. Um, Feel Golf has you know since gone uh, gone out of business, I believe. Uh, but dude, they made great wedges. They were retailing for like 200 bucks each back in the early 2000s. I still use a Feel Sand Wedge. It's awesome. Um, and and just this whole notion that everything in your bag except your putter should be from in the last five years because everything before that the technology was just too too inferior to what's available now. I, I just I just don't subscribe to that. I, I think, you know, I, I think the technology jump and the technology gaps are much more in the uh, a ten year cycle where, you know, everything made in the last ten years is pretty similar. And maybe stuff, you know, if it if you got stuff that's more than ten to fifteen years old and you have the money and the means to be able to go and, and upgrade and you're not going to be costing yourself the ability to pay your water bill, yeah, sure. Well, you know, why, why not go for it? But don't don't listen to this jack hats, you know, thing at all your clubs more than five years old and to get out of your bag. In fact, you know, we were talking to Darren Bunch on a podcast earlier this year who is a huge proponent of using Hickory Golf Clubs. Andy Johnson of the Fried Egg was the exact same way. Hickory Golf Clubs are coming back in a big way. And even though there are a couple of companies that are currently making Hickory Clubs like Louisville Golf, 
Uh, the most people that are using hickories are using clubs that are, you know, 80, 100 years old. All right. And those things are awesome. So once again, what I'm trying to tell you is that this this E character really, he's really got his head stuck in, in, in places that you probably just don't don't want to put your, your, you know, your face and eyeballs. So let's go on to this next one. Uh, rain gloves. Um, here I'm actually going to jump in and say this guy is absolutely right. You should always have a set of rain gloves in your bag just in case things start to get wet. Uh, you know, I, I put together a big trip to Bandon Dunes every fall for me and, you know, 24 of my closest buddies. And you know, there's a, you know, when you go to the Oregon coast in the end of November, there's a high, high probability that it is going to rain. And, you know, a lot of people say, I don't play in the rain. That's a pain in the ass. I just don't, I can't. Well, you know what? Like anything else, if you prepare yourself properly, it is totally manageable. If you're going to go play in the rain, assuming that you have waterproof gear, a jacket, pants, shoes, and you have rain gloves, playing in the rain is no big deal. And uh, even if there's only a slight chance it's going to rain uh, or you know be wet out there, just having rain gloves and being able to hold on to your club without you know throwing it into your playing partner's forehead is really, really handy and really makes playing in moisture very, very manageable. I always have a pair of rain gloves in my golf bag, and I would highly encourage that all of you out there uh, should do the same. So e, uh, I'll give it to you on that one. Um, the next one he has is uh, 14-way club dividers. And first of all, I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't, I don't know anybody that has anything like that. And he says, bad companies, or quote, bad companies tout these abominations by stating how much wear and tear their save your golf clubs. Um, end quote. I, personally, I've never heard any kind of a bad company tout the... <laughs> The, the benefits of having 14 separate compartments for your golf clubs. I know Club Pro Guy probably has got those, and he, as expected, probably could tell you five or six different reasons why they're absolutely essential, uh, not just for the organization of your golf bag, but for the betterment and the longevity of your golf clubs. Um, I don't know about this, because this seemingly came out of nowhere, because in the last you know five years, uh, I don't think I've played with a single person that has a 14-way club divider bag or even has those like sweet little uh, kind of plastic tubes that you put in your golf bag. So each each golf club has its own thing. I just, I don't know. I, I don't even know why that's there because it just doesn't even seem like it's a thing. So let's just go on to the next one. Uh, this is another one that I would actually agree with, a rangefinder GPS. You know, in 2018, if you do not have, you know, a GPS rangefinder or something that is giving you distances, you know, you're just putting yourself at a little bit of a disadvantage. And not not to say that you can't be successful without one. I actually kind of put off. I I resisted getting a rangefinder for a long time. You know, I, I was a caddy um, without a rangefinder for five years. You know, uh, for the last year I was in high school, and then all the summers that I was in college, I never had a rangefinder. I could always get my players, you know, yardages to the front of the green and to the flag stick within one or two yards. And I took a lot of pride in uh, being able to kind of read distances and kind of figure things out and, and operate and work on it on my own. Um, but then I was getting a lesson. And I probably told this story on the podcast before, so my apologies if I'm beating you in the eardrums again. But, you know, I, was, I had a lesson with the, with the pro, you know, the guy was giving me lessons about two years ago. And we were sitting on the range, and, you know, I was hitting some balls, and I wasn't quite getting the first, you know, first a little far, a little short. I was having a tough time getting a good distance. And he's like, hey, Kyle, what the... What's a distance out there? And I was like, oh, I don't exactly know. I think like 150-ish. He goes, hmm, 150-ish. Do you know uh, like 150 what? I was like, uh, I don't know, maybe 
150 plus or minus 10. He's like, hmm, plus or minus 10. So somewhere between 140 and 160 yards. And I said, yeah, that that that's what I'm trying to say to you. And it, and yes, yes, between 140 and 160 goes, okay. Um, do you use different clubs if you're hitting at 140 versus hitting at 160? And at this point, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Uh, yes, yes, I do use a different club for 140 and 160. He's like, okay. So do you think it would be beneficial for you to know exactly how far away that stick is? Uh, you know, or how far that flag is. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, if I knew exactly how far away it was, we wouldn't be having the stupid conversation and we could, you know, we, we could get on with this lesson right now. He's like, well, I got to tell you something, Kyle. There's this thing called a rangefinder where in three seconds you can always know exactly how far away that thing is. And you know what? There's just no excuse. I mean, how, how, how are you going to know what club to hit when you have no idea how far you're trying to hit it? And, you know, he basically just sat there and stupidly shamed me into getting a rangefinder. And you know what? I'm glad he did. So, John, thank you very much. It, it, it's been a game changer for me. And it's not because, you know, with enough time, I could always kind of figure out where to go. I could, you know, walk to different uh, markers in the fairway and figure out my distance. But it's crazy, man. Like, I get up to a ball and where I used to have to go find a sprinkler head, pace it off, look at the uh, the green on the scorecard or whatever the pin sheet was and figure it out. Dude, what used to take three minutes now takes three seconds. You know, it, it's like just from a pace of play standpoint, it was absolutely massive to have a rangefinder. And so I, that, that's the same advice that I would give to all of you guys. If you play golf with any kind of frequency, um, abs, a rangefinder is 100% well worth it. And I, and I would encourage anybody to get one that doesn't have one already. And then finally, the last item of these 10 things wrong with your golf bag and this, I mean, it really sounds like this E guy is just yelling at us, and I really don't appreciate it. But anyway, uh, he says, clubs that don't match your ability. Um, he says, quote, don't take it from us. Take it from U.S. Open champion Webb Simpson, who recently told Golf Digest, a lot of amateurs use clubs that are too heavy. It's not that they're weak, but they don't have the proper golf muscles to swing the clubs they're swinging. Uh, they also should use more forgiving irons. I see a lot of 10 to 12 handicappers using very small irons, and they need to realize they're going to miss a lot more shots uh, than hit those solid. I've always thought club fitting is super important for guys like that, end quote. Uh, he's absolutely right. Um, You know, I, I play a lot of golf. I currently am an eight handicap. You know, it's my whole life I, I was never a single-digit handicapper, and now that uh, you know, technically I'm, you know, I'm a grown man, I have gray hair, uh, you know, and I, I can actually hit my driver more than 160 yards, which was really, really challenging for me for a long, long time. Um, despite the fact that I was playing golf every day when I was in high school, my handicap never really went lower than a 10 or an 11, just because I was so limited distance-wise. I didn't hit puberty till I was like 27, so it, like it was just, it's just really challenging for me. Um, but now that I'm an eight, I'm a single digit. You know, I, you know, on a par 72 golf course, you know. Depending on how I'm playing, I'm gonna shoot anywhere between 74 and like 88. All right, you know that, that's that's pretty much my range of where I'm gonna finish in any given day. And you would think, as a single-digit handicapper, oh, maybe you want to get some nice uh, some nice muscle backs or get some start getting some players irons so you can start shaping shots. Fuck no, man. I I have got big big old Mizuno JPX Easy Forged irons that are offset, crazy forgiving, and I, I I'm gonna tell you right now. I have absolutely no desire to move up to a blade or even like, you know, 
a muscle back for anything other than aesthetic reasons. Um, you know, if you're ever going to err on the side of more forgiving with less playability or more playable, less forgiving, dude, unless you are a low single digit or, and I mean like, unless your handicap is three or below, you always, and I mean always err on the forgiving side of things. Um, it, it's just going to, it's just going to make the game so much more fun. Uh, unless you are competing regularly and you are competing against high top level golfers, there's seriously just no reason to cost yourself an opportunity to hit the ball better. So, um, he does make a final good point here. I still don't like him. I don't like his face, even though I've never seen it. I don't like his attitude. Um, but if you want to get angry and feel like somebody's yelling at you through the internet, I also encourage you to go look at, uh, what's this guy's name again? E, uh, Michael Johnson, uh, his, uh, article on golfdigest.com, 10 things wrong with your golf bag. Now, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with your golf bag. Again, you be you, you do your thing. But uh, here's a couple of other items that I noticed that were missing from his list. Things that I have in my golf bag that uh, I think are really, really helpful that I would strongly encourage you to add to your bag if it's not in there already. Uh, the first being a speaker. It's 2018. Most of us love to listen to music or podcasts or something like that when we're playing golf. And do it on your phone is, it's just not the most efficient way to take care of that sort of thing. Um, Ultimate Ears has a bunch of really, really great uh, portable speakers. Most of my friends have a UE Boom uh, that they actually use for listening to music around the house. Uh, I've actually got a little Wonder Boom, which is kind of the smaller version that I can just stick in the pocket of my golf bag. It works really good. But uh, the one that I've seen recently that actually seems like it would work best is the Ultimate Ears Roll 2. Um, again, they're not, they're not paying me They're I'm not, you know, they're not an advertiser on the podcast. It's just a really cool speaker that is actually like flat and can stick right onto the outside of your golf bag, or you can put it in the pocket of your golf bag. It puts out a good amount of sound. They're like 99 bucks and it is, uh, it is pretty sweet. So I always encourage all of my friends to always have a speaker with them at all times in their golf bag. That is very, very handy. Um, the second one you want to have is a lighter. Always, always want to have a lighter in your golf bag for a, a bevy of reasons. First of all, if you're if you're the kind of person that likes to smoke stuff uh, while you're out on the golf course, be it uh, yeah, cannabis or tobacco or uh, your own dick, I I don't really know. Whatever it is that you like to smoke when you're out on the golf course, uh, usually you need a lighter to do that kind of thing. I'm I'm not much of a Zippo guy myself. I, I just I, I don't like going through the headache of refilling it. Uh, if I was a little bit more disciplined, I'd probably get a Zippo. But I just have a cup a bic lighter that I always keep in my golf bag. At, um, not only you know serves for lighting things, but it also kind of doubles as a bottle opener, which would actually get me into my next thing. If uh, if you don't have a bottle opener, you know the lighter works great if you know how to do that. But also just having a regular bottle opener in your bag, very very handy. I, a lot of golf courses try to discourage people um, from drinking bottles out on the golf course because they can break and then it's a pain in the ass. Most golf courses are going to be serving beers either in plastic cups or in cans. But you know what? There's a lot of jabronis like me that are going to just bring their own bottles of beer out on the golf course. And for that reason alone, you got to have a bottle opener. Um, next item goes along with the lighter. I mean, if you are somebody that likes to partake in uh, in, in cannabis use, um, you know, for me, not nearly as much as I used to. But uh, anytime I start to put together a string of double bogeys, whew, does that stuff come out of the golf bag real fast. So always good to keep like it, you know, Whatever your preferred method of consumption is, whether it be a, a vape pen 
or if you're like me and you just like to smoke the green stuff, you know, maybe like a little piece or something like that to kind of help you with or some zigzags, whatever it may be, that kind of material, uh, it's good to just keep it in your golf bag because a lot of times when you're heading out, you forget to stock it. So just having a little stash you can always keep in your golf bag is very, very handy as well. Uh, in terms of warmth and weather protection, the best piece of golf apparel that I've found recently that I always keep in my golf bag is this kind of is this Nike windbreaker that is also waterproof uh, that my sister and brother-in-law got me from the Nike employee store up in Portland. And it's crazy because it's it obviously doesn't look like an old school golf windbreaker like you'd see some you know Daryl sixty five year old guy wearing from some you know free you know charity tournament that he he played in twenty five years ago. It looks pretty stylish. It's cool. Um, it's basically it basically is just a windbreaker that somehow some way also is water resistant. It, it's not necessarily waterproof. You know if you get uh, if you get rained on enough, eventually you're going to start getting wet. But if it starts like it has a little quick little couple minute rain, or if it's misty or something outside, it's going to keep you more than enough dry. Just that nice thin layer stump out just adds a lot of warmth to your core when you need it. And also if it gets windy, it kind of helps repel that uh, that wind as well. So some sort of a very ultra lightweight thin windbreaker that can somehow be water repellent. And the good thing is, is because it's so thin, um, when you fold it and then roll it up in your golf bag, it's not going to take much room up in your bag as well. So it, that's that's a nice little uh, apparel thing that I always like to keep in my golf bag. Um, because we, you know, we, we really advocate, you know, responsible behavior on the Golf Guide podcast. So always, always keep a little tube of sunscreen in your bag as well. That That is a absolute must-have. Always have sunscreen in your bag. Skin cancer is entirely overrated. I would not encourage any of you guys to uh, to get it if you can avoid it. Uh, and sunscreen is a fantastic way to do just that. So make sure you always got a tube of sunscreen in your bag. And then the last two ones for me are, uh, are pretty simple. I actually always like to keep a ballpoint pen in my bag as well, just in case I need to write stuff down. And also, that's actually my preferred way to keep score on the scorecard. I know I mentioned before that a Sharpie is nice uh, because sometimes the pencils don't really look so good. Well, for me... You know, a ballpoint uh, or a felt tip, or a sharp felt tip pen, um, is really the the optimal way to keep score. Um, I I don't know what the percentages of guys on tour that keep track of their score with a pencil, but I know it's pretty low. Most of those guys are using a pen. Um, also, when if you're keeping track, of, you know, the score in your group, and somebody gives you a, a a score that later they try to tell you it's lower, it's like no, bitch, it's in pen. Okay, you can't change this, all right? And if you do change it, we've got to scribble something out, and then i got to write down an explanation as to why it changed. So it just, it really aids, uh, you know, for transparency uh, in terms of, you know, keeping score throughout the round. So I always like to keep a pen uh, to mark my scores down. And then finally, this one is more, base, more basic than all the other ones. Uh, and this is something surely most of you already have in your golf bag, but I always have a nice little bag. I used to have a Ziploc, but then I upgraded to kind of a felt little bag, um, Seamus. Uh, one of our friends of the podcast, Seamus Golf, makes awesome little bags that serve this exact purpose. But it's where I keep all my tees, my ball markers, and my divot repair tools. I just keep them all together in one little bag. And every time I go out to play golf, I'm standing on the first tee. I put my keys and my money clip into my bag. Uh, I, I move my phone from my right pocket to my left pocket so I can have it right there still to take pictures uh, and respond to, to crises that my, you know, my fiance may be calling me with. And then, you know, I just... Get my little bag out, throw some tees in my pocket, a couple ball markers, my divot repair tool, and I'm ready to go. So one little bag, tees, ball markers, divot repair tools, you're set, ready to rock and roll. And with all that stuff, you should have everything you need in your golf bag to have a successful round of golf out on the links. 
If there's anything that you heard or that you think I am missing that you have in your golf bag that you would deem to be absolutely necessary for anybody else going out to play golf, I encourage you. I, I would love to hear it. I, I, if there's something that I could add to my golf bag that I don't have in there right now that would make my life better when I'm out playing golf, I want to know about it. So if you have any suggestions, uh, please get at me on Twitter at KSurlo. You can also get me at, uh, at GolfGuideNet. I would love to hear it. If anybody has any good suggestions, I will, uh, I'll read them off on the podcast next week. Um, and that's about it, everybody. We will be back with the podcast next week. It is likely going to be even shorter than this one um, and likely going to be just me flying solo. Like I said, I, I am getting married a week from Saturday, so uh, next Wednesday you know, it'll be just a few days before I you know, agreed to give half of my worldly possessions uh, to another human. Um, so that, that'll uh, be very exciting. Um, but also will mean that I probably am not going to be as dialed in for the podcast as normal with not as much time to prepare or edit or things like that. So apologies in advance, but I do hope you continue to listen. I really, really appreciate every single one of you listening to this podcast. Uh, again, it's, it's a lot of fun for me to do and to think that I'm even making just a couple of people's days a little bit better by being able to give this and provide this to you is, uh, is really an honor and uh, I enjoy it a lot. If you enjoy the podcast, um, you know, the best way to support uh, this podcast and what we do here is to leave us a review on iTunes. Um, it's very, very helpful. Do whatever fancy, nerdy algorithms that iTunes and Apple puts together. For some reason, having, you know, four and five star reviews in Apple is very, very helpful for uh, making this podcast uh, be able to reach more and more people. And uh, if you could do that, I would really, really appreciate it. Uh, with that all being said, Thank you very much, everybody. I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you enjoy uh, a round of golf or two or three or five out at your uh, your local your local muni or club or links or whatever it may be. And uh, we will be back with you next week. That is the Royal We. That is just me, Kyle Serlo. Have a great day, everybody. Mahalo.